Today we are continuing our series on parenthood. And we're going to be specifically talking about how to be tough and tender. How to be tough with your kids, but have it motivated by love. Now here we have a little guy. Isn't he beautiful? Oh my, I mean, if we saw him in the store, hopefully he'd have some clothes on. But if we saw him in the store, you know, ah, you know, everybody loves babies, right? Of course they do. But there should be a warning label that comes on a baby. Proverbs 22:15, folly is bound up in a heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, does he look like he's foolish? Does he look that he wants to bring folly into his life? It doesn't look like it, but I tell you what. If you raise your child with no rules, they can do whatever they want to do. No discipline when they uh, disobey, uh, do something that's wrong. You're going to come up with an incredibly selfish person. You're going to come with a very arrogant person, a very stubborn person, a person who doesn't treat others well, and maybe even a murderer. Could that guy be a murderer? Yes, he could, if he's not disciplined. If he just thinks, hey, I fill all my desires and nobody checks them, that's going to be a problem. That's why discipline is so important. Discipline is correction driven by love. The the tough thing about discipline is that we love our children. We want them to be happy. And it's so counterintuitive to bring pain in your child's life. This doesn't make sense. Why am I bringing pain into their life. Why do I have to do this? And it's so frustrating for me to do. It is one of your most important responsibilities. Is it to discipline your children? Because you discipline them and encourage them to walk in righteousness. You're molding them. You're molding them for the future. And you're training them. Because again, we all are born with a nature that's bent towards sin. That's how we're born. And thankfully, Jesus Christ has offered us a way uh, to have our hearts transformed. But yeah, little guy, his heart is driven by a desire to sin. Discipline is correction driven by love. So what I want you to understand today is that discipline is what you do with your children from 1 to 18, 20. Uh, It's so important. In each season of life, there's a different type of discipline that you need. And yes, it's very important to love your child, but you need to realize that when your child is off track, the most loving thing you can do 
is to discipline. Now, the writer of Hebrews, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? We look at God, and he models discipline. He disciplines us. He does? Yeah, he does. Because he's a good father. And therefore, sometimes when, when you're off track and when you're not listening to God and you've gone your own way, God will bring circumstances into your life to discipline you, to cause you pain in order to get you back on track. Why would God do that to me? Because we need it, friends. We're that sinful bent. And God has it all laid out in Scripture in terms of how to live a fulfilling life with Jesus by your side. But some of us need correction. All of us do at any time. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? It just doesn't go together. If you don't discipline your children's dad, dad, they're not even like your children. Because a mature father and a mature mother knows that they have this critical responsibility to discipline their children, to teach them right from wrong, to develop strong character, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so important, but it is hard to do. I, want, I just want to say up front here. I was talking with a couple whose children have grown and out of their house, and we were just talking about the topic today, and they said, you know, it just doesn't seem like you ever get it right. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's great to have a baby, like when your other kid is 18, so you can start over again, right? You're kind of old, but that's no big deal, right? <laughs> Friends. I just wanted to let you know that this message is all about grace. I don't care where you're at with your kids. Maybe they're toddlers. Maybe they're grade schoolers or teenagers. Uh, Again, it's really hard. And that's the most difficult thing about it as well, that you want to do a good job in discipline, but the child never usually says after being disciplined, thanks, Mom, I needed that. You don't get any type of positive response from them. But again, and I speak to moms and dads, that you are training a child for adulthood. And you have to discipline. And even if it goes against your nature, it's counterintuitive. You have to do it. I would encourage you to take these notes and put them up somewhere. So you can review them because there's no one there to say, per se, hey, good job disciplining. You say, why did I bring more tension in my day? That doesn't make any sense. Well, because you are raising a child. Hopefully, you'll become a Christ follower and continue to follow Christ. Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. All right. How many of you had your mother or father say to you, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you? Anybody hear that? 
Okay. How many of you have said, hey, this is really painful for me to do. More painful than you feel. Anybody say that? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we learned it from our parents. Just stop saying it, okay? I'm just going to be right up front here. Stop saying it because the kid does not believe you. Now, in another setting, you can explain to him why you have to discipline him and train him in the Lord. But when you're in the midst of the moment, just don't be saying, it's going to hurt me more. The kid knows you're lying. And you might not be lying, of course. Uh, but <laughs> it just doesn't help. Now, now, you see, if you have this training program of your child, uh, learn to be more like Christ, it seems painful rather than pleasant. But yet later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So again, it's, it's a training that you go through. And you're doing it for them. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it because you are a mom or a dad or some other caregiver. And you need to, again, teach them how to live this life. A life that yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It yields the peaceful fruit. Don't you want that for your kids? Of righteousness. Don't you want your kids to be righteous? And you're training them. So, I think it's so important, as I've said before, that you really have to take any baggage away that you have about discipline. Maybe you, know, maybe you were beaten by your parents, which is a terrible thing. A terrible thing. You have to work through those issues. Uh, that shouldn't be the case. But, but again, discipline is a positive thing. All right. Zig Ziglar said, a child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. We all know that, right? I mean, if your child continues to get away with things and you don't correct him, he's going to challenge the other adult authorities in his life. Teachers, coaches, and if he doesn't listen to them, obviously at some point he'll be involved with the police. And that's the last thing we want. So we need to we need to really ask the Lord for strength to do thing do something that's counterintuitive so our kids would grow. Our kids would flourish. And you see, you gotta get you gotta keep the big picture in mind. Discipline a three-year-old, well, you're training them for 20 years from now, right? And we have to remember that at all times. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Whoa, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. This is why this is so important. I can remember when my kids were small, 
I remember one of them saying to the other, who made you boss of this house? <laughs> who made you boss of this house? <laughs> That's kind of how they think, you know. They want your job, of course. You realize that, right? They want to be the boss of the house. They want to do things their way and have things laid out for them. But you've got to stay in this battle. And it's so intense because sometimes you're so frustrated, you're so tired, but you still need the discipline. And nobody's going to be perfect here, okay? I made a lot of mistakes in disciplining my kids. Many times I would have to go to them and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I disciplined you out of anger. And I should never do that. <laughs> Talking to Brian, my son, last night. I said, you remember anything about us disciplining you? And he said, well, I remember one time mom disciplined me and then later said I was not the person to be disciplined. <laughs> so she had to apologize. And we use a wooden spoon, spoon that is. Uh, and Brian was saying he'd be sitting in the living room and he'd hear that drawer being pulled out. <laughs> okay, am I doing anything wrong here? Maybe, you know, the Lord is just grabbing something else. But again, we discipline Brian because we love him. And as I look at my boy's life, they're yielding fruits of righteousness. Uh, it's so beautiful to see your adult children flourish. And again, you can start this at any time, okay? I mean, if you, for whatever reason haven't been on track with discipline, and your kids are teenagers, that's going to be a little more difficult, but you must stay in the battle. It's never too late. I've written out contracts with my kids and talked to Matt about that or myself, and you basically put a contract together. Maybe there's one area where the child continues to challenge you, and you say, okay, here is this area. I'm going to write this down, write your name down, and this is what we agree to, and this is what will happen if you don't do it. And help them come up with a contract. Well, you come up with a contract, and, and they can help. That builds in some ownership and more understanding. But there are periods in our kids' lives, especially as teenagers, when we, and I know there's so much pain in relationship. I was talking with a a woman who is suffering uh, with a rebellious child. It's so incredibly painful because our children are so close to us and we love them so much. But you've got to keep laying down the line in a loving way. It takes a while to learn how to do that. A willing party to his Death. If you don't discipline your children, you are going to bring some type of death into their lives, whether figuratively or even literally. It's so crucial. Uh, different types of parents. Okay? You have like a lifeguard parent. I call it a helicopter parent today. I don't know. But this type of parent is just really giving a lot of 
attention to their children's lives. And their goal is to keep their kids from experiencing the pain of consequences. God has set up a system in this world where if you do the wrong thing, you're going to have some pain in your life. And what the lifeguard parent does is that they do everything to eliminate pain. So, so, so these kids aren't you know, experiencing that idea of, of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. So they say, okay, what is working life? Because the lifeguard's always there. How many times did you take your kid, the, kid their lunch to school? I mean, not just, you know, two times, but the problem is that you, every time, so he wouldn't be hungry. Well, maybe it would have been better if he was hungry. And it would register in his mind, yeah, I should really bring my lunch. Next time it happens two days later, sorry, can't help you. You've got to remember your lunch. You're training that child. And you're encouraging them in owning their own responsibility. A lifeguard parent is somebody who pays all the fines, overdue fines, that the child has. And it's hard for all of us to see our children in an objective way because we love them so much. And when other people give us feedback, like a teacher might say, and I sit down and say, hey, listen, your child is struggling with No, he isn't. He's not that kind of kid. I mean, we can be so clueless as parents because we're looking through one view and we need a whole team of adults. And that's what I love about our church is that we are disciple-making community. Disciple-making takes all your life as you continue to grow stronger and deeper in your relationship with Christ, but the words discipline and discipleship, of course, are related to be a, to be a learner. And so we want to help you with that. Now, my kids have been corrected here. That's great. I want that to happen. That's a healthy thing that they learn also from other adults what needs to take place. So you don't want to be a lifeguard parent. Lifeguard parents like when the kid is at the dinner table and he's just complaining about, oh, are we going to have that again? Really? Haven't we had this every night this week? I want cereal. That's what I want. I want my favorite sugary cereal. Now, you have a choice at that point. You can give him his favorite cereal, which means you've lost the battle. Or you can tell him to leave the table and he's not going to have anything to eat. But if you're a lifeguard, you're going to put it away just in the corner there. Maybe not tell your husband. (laughs) You give it to him later. That's the wrong thing. You just tell your child that I know by... (laughs) I know by authority of doctors that you can make it through the night and not die from starvation. Right? That's what you got to tell them. It's called reality discipline. Kevin Lehman has a great book about uh, reality uh, discipline. It's just letting the consequences 
fall. Don't protect your... I mean, sometimes you have to, obviously, but when they can take the hit, let them take the hit. And that will, again, internalize the right thing to do much more than you trying to save them from it or, or change it in some way. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And a lot of us hopefully have figured out, yeah, that's true. The way I invest my money and my time and my energy and uh, my devotion to something, well, that's going to reap something. And you want to learn, of course, the right things to sow in order to reap. And parents need to realize that they are sowing seeds of righteousness into a child's life by disciplining them. They're sowing those seeds of righteousness. And as that child grows, as that child grows, what's going to happen? He's going to experience good things in his life. Because he was trained in the most positive way. Don't mock God. There is a system. And you've got to teach your child the system of actions and consequences. So, if you're a lifeguard parent, just have some fun this week. Okay? <laughs> in terms of helping your child understand that they're not boss of the house. Another type of parent is the etch-a-sketch parent. The etch-a-sketch parent. I was just doodling yesterday uh, to give you an idea of what could be done uh, with an uh, etch-a-sketch. <laughs> now, I never had the patience for etch-a-sketch. But the thing is, is that you can do some amazing things. But the fundamental flaw of the whole system is you shake it once it's gone. All your work, all your time. Now, I don't know why anybody would do that. <laughs> but kids do love them. Now, what an Etch-a-Sketch parent does is, you know, they come to the child and they lay down the line. Okay, this is what you're going to do, and if you don't do it, these will be the consequences. And you always want to communicate to your children what uh, the rule is, why it's in place, and the consequences. And what happens with a lot of parents? And I've done this before. You know, what do you do is you move the line, right? Okay. <laughs> Let's say your two-year-old is overdoing something that they shouldn't be doing. And you say, hey, stop that, Jimmy. Stop that, Jimmy. And he continues to play with it. <laughs> say, Jimmy, don't make me come over there. Oh, we're full of power. Don't make me come over there. Jimmy, you know what's going to happen when you do that. And if I have to inflict discipline, I will. Jimmy, I'm going to count down from three. All right? Three, two, one and a half, one, three quarters, a half. You realize, of course, that all children are very manipulative. 
That's given, right? And they love to work the system. See, the problem is we're going to jobs every day and we're really busy and we've got so many things to think about. But these kids have so much time to think about how they can manipulate us. And it's really an art in so many ways. So, so if we keep moving the line back, well, that's not going to be helpful. We're going to talk about first-time obedience here in a second. Proverbs 29, 15, and 17, the rod and reproof give wisdom. So again, the action of discipline and the instruction. So you take action to discipline them, and then you instruct them. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, right? If you're not active in disciplining your child, you can bet on that. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. These are general promises. Doesn't sound good? That your child will give you rest and he will give delight to your heart. Again, that's the first you need to, again, review because you want your children to have great lives. And the way to do that is to teach them how to live. Teach them to Realize that the Bible is the authority in their lives. And and Christ wants to transform them. Amos 3.3 The two walk together unless they have agreed to meet. Now this is very, very important. When you discipline, you and your wife need to be on the same page. Right? Because if you're not, oh, you're just setting up all types of conflicts. Because the kids are so wise, even when they're younger, you know. They'll work us against each other, right? And so many times, you know. kid comes to me and my sons, and I say, hey, can I do this? I said, no, I don't think you can. So does he accept that answer? Well, no, because he has another judge in the kitchen and says, Mom, can I do that? Oh, sure you can do that, you know. And then what happens? What the child has strategically done has put you at odds with each other. And so what happens is you start an argument with your spouse instead of disciplining the kid, right? Have you ever sat down with your spouse and written out a philosophy of discipline I've written out rules that you're going to live by because, again, it's very common that people are going to be different based upon how they were disciplined as a child. And it's really worth sitting down with a wise person who can help you figure this out because you've got to have a united front. If you do not have a united front, they will overtake you. They will use you. They'll cause all kinds of conflict in your life when that shouldn't be, you're trying to cause pain in their lives in order to get them back on track. It really is hard. And, you know, I, sometimes lawyers said to me, Dan, you know, um, <laughs> the kid's working against you, don't you understand? <laughs> He's trying to play us off each other. And it's so important. Like if a child comes to me and... Say, well, I talked to mom about it, and she said this. And uh, 
You know, sometimes, okay. Maybe it's not exactly what I wanted, but we can become very stubborn with disciplining our children because it's such a sensitive area. But you've got to come to compromise. Then when you think about when a person experiences a divorce, talk to so many people, and it's all about the kids, right? The kids are the pawns that they use to get what they want. They use it as a way of getting back at you. And that's a very, very difficult thing to manage. And, and sometimes you can't do anything about it, but you just need to pray that your ex and yourself would, would at least be close to the same page. And, and the important thing is that you set the example. I mean, we can easily get caught up in nasty feelings and say, well, I'll show that spouse, you know, I'm going to take him to Great America. <laughs> yeah. Or how about blended families? Oh, my. Blended families. Some of you are blended families. The most important thing when I counsel people who are going to join their families together is you've got to get it down on paper how you're going to treat your kids, how you're going to discipline them. Because, again, there's a transition you know, if your mother and have kids and then a new man comes in and marries you, uh, and they're not going to really respect him unless you back him up. And vice versa. That is the number one problem with blended families. Is you have your kids, my kids. Oh, please, sit down. There's someone who can help you sort through that uh, because that will really impact your marriage in a very difficult uh, way. So, we want to be on the same page. Well, let's talk about a strategy for discipline. The first thing you need to do is you need to rethink your discipline philosophy. How can you do that? Talk with your spouse about your philosophy like I talked about before. Actually sit down, take an hour out, and we're going to talk about discipline. And the funny thing in our culture is that we're just so busy, we miss these critical conversations. And then when are we talking or fighting about discipline? It's in the moment, right? Don't let your children do that to you. Then write out the rules you want to live by. This is very important because you can write these rules out, the expectations for your children or child. And you can even have them join in. And you can say, well, what do you think? What do you think should happen to you if you don't do this? And it gets them you know, having some ownership in the decisions. Uh, so, an idea. Finally, communicate them to your kids. Sit down with your kids. And it's so important that you write them out because when you write them out, they're even more uh, powerful uh, the kids view them in a more serious way. I mean, you really thought this out. But again, we all know as parents, we need to keep changing as our kids change. And, you know, you know some kids, <laughs> you look at them and give them the nasty eye and they, they just break down crying. Oh, oh you disapprove. Now other kids could care less. <laughs> <laughs> you have to really be much more aggressive with those strong-willed 
Kids, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, dads, why did Paul pick us out for this issue of anger? Well, many of us, we don't know how to express our negative feelings. And so it all goes through the channel of anger, right? You can't believe that these kids are being so rebellious and you're trying out there, you're your wife making a living for your children, and now this is the way that they're treating you. And, and I know as I look back and disciplining my children, I was often triggered just by anger because, you know, I'm trying to keep all these things going in my life, and, and then they have to have a fight <laughs> or an argument. And I have to step into it and find out what happens. Like being a police investigator. Okay, tell me your story. Okay, tell me your story. And then you have to make some type of decision. It is so stressful. Like, why am I doing this? Because God requires that you discipline your children in order that they might see life as it is and understand who God is. Another thing is you understand why kids misbehave. How many have heard of HALT before? H-A-L-T. In terms of identifying what's going on with your child. Because (laughs) typically we see when kids act up and do things that it's just a defiance issue. And sometimes it is. I can remember (laughs) we were at some school function and we were in the gym and Wesley, my middle son, was standing there, and he was looking at me, and he was ready to run. I said, no, don't do that. He looks back at me, no, don't do it. Boom! He takes off. Now, that that is defiant behavior, all right? That needs discipline because they willfully went against you. You don't want to uh, discipline your children if it's for some other reason that you can figure out that they're uh, not listening. So you got HALT, H-A-L-T. And this, this really talks about people in general. Uh, when we are experiencing these things, uh, we're going to struggle a little more in managing life. So how about hungry? <laughs> Has your child ever tried to communicate to you? Maybe in an immature way because they're immature kids, that they're hungry. And so it's always good just to take a moment and ask yourself, okay, why are they acting up? Are they hungry? Because we all get in a mad, bad mood <laughs> when we're not being uh, fed enough. Or how about angry? Your child is angered. So, so you have to teach them how to navigate that anger. And, and what is it that's making you angry? What's going on in your life? Same thing with adults. Or lonely. Yeah, kids get lonely. I tell you, the greatest burden that we had with our kids was finding the right friends. You know, I mean, with today's society, it's really hard to find other families who own and follow what the Bible says about many areas in their lives. And... uh it was hard because there aren't many kids out there like that, unfortunately. 
Uh, and that's why it's so important to be part of a disciple-making community where you know you can get to know Christian kids and they go to Wanda together and jam and thrive. And yeah. So do whatever you can to meet their emotional needs. If they're lonely, now, it all depends upon the personality. And some kids want to come home and talk and express all their feelings. And uh, I don't know, with boys, it's just like, hey, what's going on? Everything's good. Uh, well, what went on school today? Fine. <laughs> you know, you just have to be patient with that season. But you still continue to encourage them to share. Or how about tired? Oh, man, that's mine. When I'm tired, I can slip so easily in uh, disciplining my children. Because I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling stressed, and all of a sudden, this huge blow-up happens between my kids. And the last thing I want to do is get involved. I just tell them, if there's any blood involved, let me know. Then we can take some action. So, so... I've done it so many times, I've just kind of walked away. (laughs) But we need to be as consistent as possible in training our children. You also need to choose your method of discipline. Now, one that we used a lot, which we found was very effective, was the timeout. Right? Who loves the timeout? Okay, Jeff does. How many use the timeout? Yeah, you should. Oh, you got to use the timeout. I mean, that, that really communicates to them that, hey, I'm going to take you away from what you're doing, and you have to stand in the corner. Now, I try to do the military timeout, you know, where kid has to be rom rad straight, and their nose has to be touching the corner of the wall. And then I'd have to watch them because, you know, it's kind of. <laughs> And I got tired of that, so I let him sit down. Whatever, just stand in the corner, get out of my ear. <laughs> I would often leave kids in timeout with not realizing that. Dad, can I leave now? <laughs> oh, it's been 45 minutes, son. I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Another great way is to withdraw them from privileges. I was talking with Tim Morahan yesterday. At the Iwana Grand Prix here, um, that was great. The Pinewood Derby, whatever you want to call it, just an exciting time for kids, but a good opportunity to teach a kid how to lose because they're devastated when they lose. You say, this will be your life, disappointment. <laughs> you teach them, hey, somebody's going to win. A lot of people are going to lose, and you did a great job and so forth. Uh, yeah, so withdrawal of privileges. And Tim Morahan said that he was in a bowling league on Saturday morning. And what his mother did when he did something wrong, he said, you can't go. It devastated the kid, which you want to do, right? You want to take something away that they usually enjoy to let them know that, hey, you have done wrong and you need to... Uh, pay the price in that way. So that's a really effective way. You find out whatever's special to them. Uh, I would encourage you to keep them from church uh, because they need it so much. But there's so many activities in their life 
And you've got to use that in that way. Proverbs 13.24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who lives, loves him, that is, is diligent to discipline him. So, what this verse is talking about, spraying the rod, it's talking about spanking a child. Now, I know there's a lot of different feelings and philosophies about discipline, and uh, our culture evolves. It's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't spank your child. That's the worst thing you could do for them. I'll tell you from experience, uh, it works. It works, especially with younger children. And so, okay, so the kid disobeys. He knows what the infraction is and the penalty. And So you always take your child aside when you're going to discipline them in any way. You don't want to embarrass them. This is just between you and the child. And uh, you take him in the bedroom and kind of dialogue about what's happened. Now, we used a wooden spoon. And, again, sometimes it's best not to use your hand because that's, uh, of course, where you want to give love, but whatever your preference is. And you spank the child on his rear end. That's why God gave extra padding there, all right, for that very purpose. And this is all throughout the Bible. <laughs> you know, they use the rod, and we use the spoon. <laughs> and I tell you what, with younger children, what you do is you spank them, all right, and uh, sometimes you will not hear the cry of repentance, right? That's what you're waiting for, the cry of repentance. Yeah, oh, I know I've done wrong. I'm sorry, in fact. Tommy, our third child, he was our strong-willed child. And <laughs> he gave us a run for our money. <laughs> We'd be spanking him every day. <laughs> he just refused sometimes to do what needed to be done. But we needed to beat the folly out of his life. Now, again, when you spank, you never spank anywhere else but the rear end. You never strike your child because you're angry. That is wrong. Uh, but, but it needs to be controlled. And preferably, you're not angry, right? Uh, you don't want it to be a channel of your anger. And uh, so you spank the child. That's usually from about, oh, I don't know. Uh, a year to 20 years. And I tell you, I've, I've had to wrestle my older sons down. <laughs> Maybe eight months to 20 uh, to eight, or excuse me, 10 years. And uh, so you take them in the room, you explain the infraction, and then you, you know, spank them. And you leave, listen for the cry. And you have to determine whether it's a cry of repentance or the cry of anger toward you. And if they are still angry, friends, this is called breaking the will. They have a strong, sinful will. Like I said, you have to drive it from them. And you remember Tommy. <laughs> that didn't hurt. <laughs> Oh, I get motivated. All right, son, come on back, and we'll try to do better. <laughs> oh, man, just wonderful memories. 
<laughs> but I believe, again, I believe in spanking in the proper way. You never hit a child any place in the rear end, and you take this child aside. And, but the beautiful thing is when you hear the cry of repentance, like, wow, I did the wrong thing. That's when you take the child into your arms. You say, I love you so much, and I know it's hard sometimes to do what you're told, but it's so important so that you can grow and uh, experience a great adulthood and relationship with Christ. So you just don't want to leave him there. You know, you spank him and you close the door. Uh, you want to bring it full circle back. And again, spanking would be used if nothing else uh, was working at that time. So you always need to have a number of dis- discipline tools that you're working with. Be consistent in discipline is the last thing we'll talk about. Be consistent. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, you hold those Bible verses, Adam. <laughs> That's true. I need to realize it. But what about first response, obedience? First response, obey. Where if you say to your kid, hey, that should not be going on, and uh, they respond right away. You say, Jamie, he comes running to you and bows down before you. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but again, like I said before, uh, if you don't, listen, you teach your kids how to respond to you. If they don't come right away, you have taught them. Not to come right away. It's like the policeman that pulls you over, right? You don't go yelling at the policeman unless you're really dumb. (laughs) When I get pulled over, which I have a lot in the future, I'm doing better. And uh, I just tried, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What was I doing wrong? And they'll tell me, oh, I'm sorry about that. And uh, it's the way you respond to them that really kind of makes it or breaks it. And so... You can treat your children to first-time obedience. Because they know if they don't come the first time, there's some discipline that's going to happen. It takes more work, but sure is a lot less uh, frustrating. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's what you're trying to teach uh, your uh, children. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You that Your Word... The Bible covers everything in life, whether it be child raising or managing money or uh, serving other people. Thank you for this wonderful book you've given to us. And Lord, I pray for my friends here. It is tough. Oh, yeah, it is tough. And I pray that they would uh, take whatever actions necessary in order to be able uh, to help their children. They grow to be righteous people. In Christ's name, amen.